0: Welcome to the GC Podcast, a podcast to help you develop into the healthiest ministry leader you can be by sharing practical ministry experience.
1: Here are your hosts, Kara Garrity and Carissa Panuve.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to GC Podcast. I am so happy to introduce you to my co-host for this quarter, Carissa Panube. Carissa is a GCI member in the Fiji Church, and she's currently based in Thailand because she is a swimmer, and she is full-time training for the Olympics while in Thailand. So she is awesome in that way. And in uh, her GCI congregation, she enjoys youth get-togethers, fellowshipping within the church and sharing with with each other both joys as as well as burdens and so I'm so happy Carissa, um, to welcome you as my co-host on the podcast for this
1: quarter thank you so much for being here with us. Hi everyone and hi Cara <laughs> so grateful for the opportunity to be here and co-host alongside you I'm so excited to get into it.
2: Absolutely. So why don't we just jump on in then? In this episode for today, we're going to be exploring um, with Elizabeth Mullins, our guest, what role inclusion and, and belonging plays in the mission and witness of the Love Avenue. So, Carissa, when you think about belonging, what comes to mind for you?
1: Hmm. Well, I feel like belonging is about comfortability and inclusion. Mm. And there are different factors that come to play to feel that or feel those things, um, which are attitude of people around you and the environment you're in. Um, To me, I feel that actions speak louder than words. So actively Mm. being there for people and their needs, I think, helps them feel included. And, um, yeah, just when you're not feeling like you're being judged, you feel comfortable. And I think that Mm. helps
2: like you belong. Yeah, I really like that that point that you make that actions are louder than words when it comes to belonging. So thank you for sharing that. Let's go ahead and listen to what um, Elizabeth Mullins has to share in our interview. Hello friends and welcome to today's episode of GC Podcast. This podcast is devoted to exploring best ministry practices in the context of Grace Communion International Churches. I'm your host, Kara Garrity, and today I am overjoyed to interview Elizabeth Mullins, who is a GCI Elder and works with the media team as Publications Coordinator. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Elizabeth.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm Pretty fond of you, so this is going to be fun.
2: Oh, it is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and especially today, we're going to be exploring what inclusion and belonging have to do with the Ministry of the Love Avenue. And so I'm really excited for that. So let's just jump right on in and, and start kind of there. What, what does creating an inclusive community have to do with
0: the Ministry of the Love Avenue? Well, everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> um Our desire, you know, for others to experience belonging with us, particularly in the love avenue, you know, so ultimately Jesus is the one making the invitation Um, and he's invited all. Mm. So that's why inclusion matters. Uh, Are we done? Is this shortest podcast ever?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we could be done right there, right?
0: (laughs) I mean that's a lot, but, but seriously, you know, what are we even talking about when we say the word inclusion? Yes. You know, and I think in GCI we have this good practice of walking the what question back to the who question. So who are people included into?
2: Mm.
0: You know? We're included into the life of the triune God. And and I know that our listeners know this right? I I believe that we believe this. So then the question becomes, how do we reflect that? Right? How how can I welcome in new people? How can I gather with new people whose lived experiences might not look anything like my own and still communicate to that person that you belong and you're called into the body? And what in the world does that even look like? (laughs) You know, (laughs) <laughs> yes. It, it, you know, Kara, when you asked me to do this podcast, I, I had doubts, and I, I told you, you know, I'm not an expert, but, but I do look forward to wrestling with this, wrestling with this topic with you today, and I feel like I have more questions about inclusion than I have answers, mm. but, you know, if this conversation increases our awe and wonder for an inclusive God, then I think it'll be good.
2: Amen. And I, you know, there's something about that posture, Elizabeth, that I think is um, part of that, that holy mystery of of being the church, Jesus's church in the world, that sometimes we have more questions than answers, right? (laughs) But it, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't rest on us. As you said, Jesus is the one that's choosing, And it's in Him that that we're included in the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And so at the end of the day, it's not that we need these nice, clean-cut answers to what an inclusive community, what belonging really even means and looks like, but it's how are we participating in the belonging that God has already created? And how are we allowing him to bring us deeper into that in real tangible ways, kind of like you were putting flesh on our theology, making it real, incarnational in that sense, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what, what you were saying, this, this idea of we, ha- we believe this and we believe the who we're included in. So what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Let's start with what do you believe some characteristics of inclusion and, and belonging are?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first I just want to back up for a second and, and say that I appreciate um, what you just said about putting flesh on it. Um, it does seem like we could talk about belonging, we could talk about inclusion all day, but it has to be experienced. And um, I was just saying to someone recently that community is like this giant learning lab. Yes. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, But so what are some characteristics of inclusivity? Um, (laughs) I hope you'll be patient with me because this... This first thought that I had might be more abstract than you intended, but I, I trust that as we keep going, we're going to get more concrete, more specific. But um, the first thought that I had actually speaks to motivation. Mm. And you know, I don't know if, if, if some of our listeners are like me, but a lot of times I'm not interested in a bunch of how-tos until you've convinced me of the why. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So for me, an important characteristic is witness. Something I've been wrestling with is that inclusion is actually my calling. You know, that if, if we're part of the body of Christ, we are part of the church, that we're called to bear witness to this reality of belonging. And, it, and it's not always visible. It's not always visible to other people. So we, we witness to that. There's a quote I heard years ago that I love, and I'm embarrassed that I don't know who said it. I even tried to look it up, but I can't find it. So I apologize. I can't source it. But it says, the church is the visible manifestation of the invisible reality of the kingdom. Mm. Isn't that good? That's real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the if the gathering church is this thin place, right, where the veil is pulled back, that's a responsibility to bear that witness to people that they are included in the triune God. Colossians 1.15 says that the sun is the visible res- re- representation of an invisible God. And, you know, not that we're not God to anybody, right? <laughs> we, are not, we are not Jesus to people because we're all, we're setting aside that Savior complex, right? Yes,
1: amen. <laughs> we're trying to.
0: But aren't we? call to participate in that reality yes and i'm convinced that that participation holds this kind of holy tension you know the way the way that so much of our christian life is a paradox you know the way that a paradox is is two seemingly opposite things but can both be true Mm -hmm. you know like the already not yet And I believe that discipleship asks us to live into that tension of paradox. And that paradox says that, you know, because there's a calling on my life, I do have a responsibility to live into participation with Christ, that I have a responsibility to witness and gather His body. And yet, (laughs) I'm not responsible for the outcome. Mm. Right? So the Spirit does a really fine job of convicting people. Man man, whew. holding that tension it, it 's difficult sometimes oh, well i was I
2: was just going to comment on what you 're saying. I think what you 've named is so, so important um, for a couple of reasons first, getting to this you know why is this even important it 's not just we want you know, sunshine and rainbows version of church where we're talking about an inclusivity of, can't we all just get along, right? Can't we all just have fun together and hold hands in a circle? That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, I think you've, you've gotten right to the heart of, is that when, when we talk about the church, the people of God, the kind of inclusion that we are called to, it's because of who God is and who we are as the, as the church and the the God and his kingdom that we're witnessing to. He's the one doing the including. It's his kingdom that's an inclusive kingdom. We're just participating in it. And so it's not just because, well, we think it would be better if everyone just get along. You know, we think mm-hmm. it would be easier if there wasn't, you know, whatever, or if anyone could just show up and walk in through the doors. It's kind of, like you said, there was a responsibility because of who our God is, because of how he works, because of his his ways because of the kingdom that he is bringing at hand and will establish for all of eternity. And and so what you name about even sitting in the paradox of that is we do get called into participating and then also hold loosely that we're not responsible for those results. So it's you know, we don't want to fall into that trap of it either, right? <laughs> but we don't let mm-hmm. ourselves off the hook for taking seriously that if if we're taking seriously that our God is who he says he is and we're witnessing to a God who has included all people, wouldn't we bear witness to that and make that a little bit more tangible, make that a little bit more experienced here on on Earth, on this side of eternity, I think I think that that's so important because, like you said, before we even get to the how tos, why like <laughs> why should we care? You know, <laughs> and we should care because mm-hmm. God has showed us that He cares. So that's yeah, that's really really good. Thank you for naming that for us, Elizabeth. Um, and you can go on. What else were you going to say about some characteristics of inclusivity?
0: Yeah, th- thank you for your thoughts. I I love that phrase of holding loosely and i think that's that's an important characteristic and it's it it lends to what i was going to say next is because it can be difficult to hold loosely and to live in that tension i believe another important characteristic is courage <laughs> yes <laughs> you know <laughs> cuz we 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 will have fear and yeah. we but we can face our fear with courage because i mean what what does the testimony of the Bible tell us? You know, what can separate us from the love of Christ? What can threaten our inclusion in this membership? You know, mm. the, our full membership as God's children? Nothing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if our full membership is contingent on Christ and his finished work, then that should fill us with courage and hope and, you know, lead us to ask the next question, which is, okay, how do we image this in community now? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we're not the gatekeepers, right? We're not the gatekeepers of Jesus's kingdom. And I think it takes courage to, to really live into the fact that inclusion doesn't mean assimilation. Mm. It's, it's, not, it's not equal to total agreement or uniformity but we can still communicate inclusion i think it's like holding up a mirror to to other people and saying you know you are loved you're worthy of belonging you're an image bearer and calling them up because i i really think it does call people up to say you know what you are able to receive love and to give love this is your true self mm. you know and so i'm i'm just learning to remember that it's my calling to witness to this inclusion and and that it's it's going to require courage. <laughs> yes. And I really like that word, um,
2: you know, that word that you use of, of gatekeeping just really struck me because if we're talking about inclusion as, um, you know, based in, as accomplished in, as um, given to us and fulfilled in Jesus. We actually aren't the ones like we we don't create inclusion. God is the mm-hmm. one creating and gifting this inclusion to us and and so really at the end of the day it's just responding to that reality of inclusion that we're invited to participating in that. And so I like that that image that you you know, kind of evoked of gatekeeping because (laughs) when we're not participating in in inclusion, it's not like that inclusion doesn't already exist in Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, but we can as communities of gathering believers act as gatekeepers to others experiencing this reality um, that that we know and should be actually proclaiming and witnessing to, you rather than gatekeeping. But it's not that we create the inclusion or not, because Christ has already done that for us. And so I think that's a powerful word to think about: Are we gatekeeping others' experience of Christ and His kingdom? You know, and that you know, as I as I think about what, what you <laughs> talked about with the the need to have courage um, in in participes- participating in inclusion um, as, as a community and, and mirroring that, I wonder what other mindsets or habits, ways of thinking or, or behaving we, we're invited to surrender to God as we learn to be a more inclusive community.
0: For me, this is another question that I feel like addresses spiritual formation and discipleship. Because mm. as Christians, shouldn't we of all people be open and curious and humble, aren't we supposed to be repentant people and <laughs> eager to learn? But we're not. We're not yeah. always. I mean, I know I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm. I'm. I'm trying to learn to 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 surrender. You know, arrogance and and certainty by allowing the Spirit to disciple and form me into humility. And curiosity and repentance. I'm not sure that we can discuss inclusion without mentioning bias. Mm. And a lot of the conversations that I have heard around bias, I've heard that people will have a fundamental question. And that's, am I good? If they're pushing back, it's like saying that they're thinking consciously or unconsciously. Well, if you say I have bias, am I still good? Mm. And... To me, as Christians, as people who are being conformed to to a God that condescends, that I feel like the answer should be, well, of course we're bent towards sin. Mm. You know, it's a malformation when I cannot hold the tension that no, I'm not always good, my actions are not always good, but I am loved, I am valued, and I belong. You know, yes. those those things aren't mutually exclusive. And my belovedness, my valuedness, it should birth shalom. It should birth this desire mm. for my flourishing to spread out to other people. It, it should not birth narcissism. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm special, you know. So no, no I, I think it can birth narcissism if it's not rooted and centered in the story that we embrace that, you know, God is a God who defeats evil by self-giving love. He didn't defeat evil by putting up more walls, by, by trying to put up walls to exclude. He destroyed the dividing wall of hostility between us and God and between each other. So yeah, I just I am learning that everybody carries a story that I don't know. Mm. And their stories carry much more complexity and more pain. And more beauty than I can possibly know. So it takes me surrendering that I know it all and that I can control everything.
2: Mm. Yeah, I I really like that. Um, it's it's a simple but really challenging thing to remember. Just that everyone has their own story that they carry. But what would it look like if we we remember that and see that in the context of? God's larger story with all of humanity, you know, and, and, um, yeah, just allow, allow that to be, even when we don't understand, (laughs) allow that to be enough, right? That we're all part of God's larger story rather than, I think you said that word control. And I think that that can be a big part of when we struggle with creating, um, spaces of, of belonging when we don't understand or we want to control things or we feel out of control because we don't understand but what if it was just enough that all of our unique individual stories really were part of God's larger story with, with humanity <laughs> whether we understood it or not because he's the one that's writing the story of belonging I don't know because <laughs> coming back to what you were saying we're giving up the savior complex right what would what would that look like if we let God kind of be in charge of that? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, I like I like you using the word understanding. I so often use the word certainty, but that's good. Like we can love somebody without understanding everything that's going on with us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. And I think sometimes when we think about, especially in like a community context and and creating practices as a community of of inclusion and belonging, a lot of times it is, in my experience, it's been that, that barrier of understanding, right? Because we don't understand something, you know, then we feel threatened. Oh, well, we don't know what's going on. So we don't know what might happen or we don't understand this particular life experience so it's safer to be in a comfortable bubble than to be courageous like you said to witness to the fact that whether we understand or not we all have belonging in Christ whether we understand or not God is in our midst whether we understand or not he is drawing us all into his love and his kingdom and and conforming us into his image as as we've always meant to be so it's more the question of less of do we understand and do we feel a little scared but more are we going to participate in in what god is doing right here and now mm. whether we understand you know with our with our temporal minds what's going on or or not i you know i think um yeah we can get tripped up over understanding and needing to feel like we can be in, um, in control. And that's something that I've seen and experienced that's part of that surrendering. And like you said, coming back to spiritual formation, you know, are we allowing ourselves to be formed by God, to actually surrender to God? And, and like you said, to admit, maybe we are kind of bent. Uh, you know, maybe we are kind of bent towards sin. Maybe that is kind of why he, 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 you know, came to be one of us and to walk amongst us and to give us a new humanity. And and so maybe it is okay to trust him with those parts of ourselves that are kind of ugly and maybe say, oh, because I don't understand this person or I feel a little bit threatened, I don't want to be near them. Maybe our God is understanding enough Caring enough, loving enough, maybe he gets it enough that we can trust him with that part of ourselves and say, Hey, like, could you do something with this? (laughs) Because I know it's not your desire and your heart for me. You've made that clear, but the reality is, this is where I'm at, you know? And I think that he's a God that is so happy and so willing. To, to transform his people into the wholeness and the new humanity that, that he's always intended for us. But if we're stubborn <laughs> and say, oh no, we could never think that way. <laughs> we're not sinful people. Um, right. I think we miss out a little bit on that, that beautiful opportunity to be transformed by him in community with others.
0: Yeah, so true.
2: You know, and I, you know, I think about that and being transformed in community with others as ministry leaders, sometimes, um, you know, we have a particular sometimes influence on the tone of a community uh, or the tone that's set. So what are some ways, Elizabeth, that that you've had to learn to be more inclusive,
0: particularly as a leader in ministry? I have to admit speaking of what you just said about <laughs> uh, t- turning with confidence that uh, that Jesus isn't shocked by anything. Um, I don't always lean into community. Mm. you know I am sometimes plagued by feelings of not feeling like I'm worthy of love and belonging, of not having enough courage to trust, Mm. So I'm learning myself as a leader that, you know, I can't be asking people to lean into community if I'm not doing that. And as I do that, I do see that we can be made for belonging. It can be our true selves, our birthright, and we can really long for connection, which I think is what we're really talking about here, is is the connection and the healing that we experience in relationship. Mm. But I'm learning that just because we long for connection, it doesn't mean we always know what to do with it once we yes. find it or get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, proximity in a gathering is not enough. It's not it's not like it's this chemical reaction, you know, just add a little vinegar to baking soda and voila, you know. <laughs> we we can gather together but it doesn't always mean there's going to be instant connection or that we're going to experience intimacy and trust, which I think is ultimately what what we're hoping for is I believe Jesus when, you know, he says that, you know, we're better together and that he is going to conform us to his image. And the body is one of the ways that that happens. But I am learning as, as a leader that so many of us we did not have attuned empathetic caregivers when we were growing up. We simply did not learn healthy connection developmentally. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I have a lot of questions, but one thing I think I'm convinced of that it's a skill set we can develop. Yeah. You yes. know, that that we are being transformed by Jesus' presence. And that the Holy Spirit is tutoring us to be other centered. So, for me, part of becoming a healthy leader is taking stock of my own trauma and the areas where I'm identifying that I lack emotional intelligence. You know, and maybe that means seeking out therapy.
2: Mm, Yes. You know,
0: but am I able to identify my own trauma and my own hurts? Do I even know how to identify? my own emotions so that I can observe and identify it in other people. Mm. I, I I, think that's important for place sharing. Can can I sit in the discomfort of another person's pain, you know, w- without it making – without feeling like I have to fix it or run from it or, you know, make a joke? And I'm going to have a really difficult time of, of doing that, of place sharing, if I haven't owned my own pain. Yes. I also believe that a new person's question will be whether consciously or unconsciously, you know, am I too much? Mm. Mm-hmm. If we're sitting with another person and their emotions, whether they're whether it's joy or whether it's sadness, you know, how are we answering that question of am I too much? Mm. I believe that discipleship has this beautiful circular quality, you know that. I, I am being formed through the solitary. I am being tutored by the Spirit. I am being changed by Jesus' presence. But I'm also being formed by the collective. I, I want to read a quote um, from Cole Arthur Riley in her book, This Here Flesh, that I think really speaks to, to that concept. Yes. And she, and she says, um, we're made for belonging. And maybe you've heard it said that you need to learn how to be alone before you can be with someone. But I say you have to learn how to be with and part of something in order to know how to be alone. I think it's only in a deep anchoring in community that one can ever be free to explore the solitary. End quote. So, yeah i'm I'm trying to learn that the Spirit disciples me in and through community. Mm.
2: yeah, and I love that just thinking even about that question of am I too much? right? So as whether ministry leaders or or just members of a gathering church community, part of part of creating spaces of belonging is is there actually space? for us to exist with one another. And if we're not tutored and practicing as you as you're speaking to of of just existing alongside one another, mm-hmm. then can, can we feel like we belong? Can we feel like there's enough space for us if we're always feeling like we're bumping up against you know, maybe someone's discomfort with how I'm feeling right now, or things. So that that ability to to grow and to learn ourselves in community, yeah, that's not something I would have I would have thought of. But I I really appreciate um, that you bring that up because how we move through a space and how we um, even understand and know and familiar with how we're moving through a space does impact, right? We are communal beings. We are created for connection. It impacts, right? How that space is received by other people or whether people um, can be received into that space, right? And I'm sure we've all felt that too when maybe we've felt too much for other people Mm -hmm. um, because there just wasn't enough space for us to to belong and just exist in that moment. And so, yeah, I think that, You've named a really, really um, important way, but a, maybe not right off the bat, obvious way, that we as um, ministry leaders and and members of of the gathering church community can um, you know be intentional about learning and practicing to be more inclusive people, people of belonging. That's excellent. Mm. So as you know, you're you're you know journeying in um you know developing what what belonging what inclusion what these these rhythms and practices looks like how are you learning to share um what you're learning and how you're growing with the the gathering church community so that we can um maybe all start to grow a little bit more
0: together yeah i i feel like this is question where we can where I can start getting a little more concrete (laughs) but I am chewing on what you just said so I just want to pause for a minute yeah I appreciate the affirmation from you because I wasn't sure that what I as I was wrestling through this if it's if it's too like too abstract too ethereal but it came to me as you were sort of speaking back what I was saying and mirroring it to me that you know we can Make sure that we have representation in our, you know images. we can make sure we have a wheelchair ramp that we are using microphones for for hearing impairment. We can do a lot of things to be welcoming in our gathering, just oh, uh, kind of surface welcoming. But I really think that the healing that we're promised and that we can participate in, It it does come from these deep connections that we make, the way that we bear the image of God to one another, and the way that we just reflect his acceptance and his love. So yeah, I think you could actually have a lot of concrete things in place and have somebody attend and still not feel seen or feel connection.
2: Yeah, and as you were saying that, that's exactly what, what I was thinking of we can have as a community, a lot of accommodations that might seem inclusive and, and maybe they are, you know, tangible actions of inclusion, but without that relational aspect, are we going to fall short of, of true belonging? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) Because, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, if you have, you know, a ramp for somebody with, um, you know, a, a, Physical challenge who you know can't walk up the steps or something, so they can get into your church building. But then everyone's too uncomfortable to look them in the eye and greet them yes. because their disability <laughs> makes them uncomfortable. Is that? I mean, yes, your your building is accessible, but are they going to feel belonging? Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think what you've named is you know that's the real. Um, that's where the church comes in and I think can, can mirror the belonging of the kingdom versus just the accessibility that is like pretty standard um, in a lot of places in the world. right? <laughs> um, but I think this is where we're called to that higher, um, that higher calling of, of the belonging that, that we find and can participate in, in God versus just like some architectural feats. Yeah, as you were saying that, that's yeah. So you can, you can get in the building without being seen. I think you're right about that.
0: Yeah. So t- to your question, <laughs> back to your question, <laughs> we're both <I've>, like woo. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I think this sort of gets to both. Maybe it straddles yeah. the fence of we're talking about connection, but hopefully, um, I was trying to think of some tangible things. I like that you use that word tangible. So, you know. We're recording this in August, and the podcast won't be published till October. But I had recently helped uh, work on a church, church hack um, that we can we can put in the show notes. But you know, it's not official. But as I was working on it, I jokingly to myself was called was titling it "Don't Be Weird," <laughs> <laughs> and. I kind of have to explain, uh, give the whole backstory for why I landed on that word weird, at least for myself. I know that words can be loaded and they can carry different meaning for different people. You know, when my husband Anthony and I were replanting or relaunching a a congregation in Hickory, my mantra for that, for that fellowship, um, when we would, be talking about welcoming guests and welcoming in new people to our gathering, I was constantly saying, we're going to eliminate the awkward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've actually had to repent and rethink that phrase, because I was thinking about it, can getting to know a new person feel awkward and uncomfortable? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It it can, right? Right. When I say weird, I guess I'm thinking more of behavior that isn't – that's not going to be received as courteous. You know, in the U.S., we use the word weird in sort of this fun-loving way to mean unique or eccentric, you know, like keep Austin weird. So, (laughs) you know, so I don't mean that. I don't mean unique and eccentric. All of you people out there, being unique and eccentric, you just – Keep trucking on. So no, but I th- I think of it this way, Kara have Have you ever had an encounter you know that left you feeling uneasy or confused and and afterwards you turn to a friend and you just say that was weird.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that I think kind of weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I think we've all had that where. We're trying to connect with somebody and it just we're missing each other poor you know, we're always gonna miss each other a little bit, but I mean like in a way that you're just left feeling like that was weird. You know, many of our GCI leaders have been through the giant core training, and that's an important part of of that training, remember, was to ask the question, what is it like to be on the other side of me?
2: Mm, mm-hmm
0: one of the ways that i'm learning i'm really trying to answer this question <laughs> that i'm i'm learning to share about inclusion is learning self awareness so when we're getting to know new people when we're welcoming guests we do want to eliminate the weird as far as behavior that's rude or specifically behavior that's self-centered you know i think our gatherings can feel weird if there's a lot of ambiguity and chaos. And we definitely don't want to be coercive to people. And I think we can be received that way if we over-talk, you know, if we're doing all the talking or we're asking intrusive questions. Hmm. My favorite question for new people when they're, when they're talking to me is is to say something like, oh, that sounds wonderful, or maybe it's awful, you know. You know that sounds awful. Would you like to tell me more about that? Mm, mm-hmm. You know, so then the ball's in their court. They can take the lead if they want to tell me more, or if they don't. Yes. I also think, like we were talking about tension and the paradox of calling, but it's but holding loosely to the outcome. I think hospitality invites us to lean into to tension also, and I think in pictures. In thinking about hospitality, I imagine this like a sliding scale. And if on the far side, on the far left side, imagine that as comfort. And that's, you could just picture a member of the existing community that, you know, they know they belong. So on the left side, you've got comfort and I know I belong. And then clear on the other side of the scale, on the right side, you've got discomfort and I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I can belong here. And to me, hospitality looks like, if I'm over there on the left side of comfort, can I move towards the other person's discomfort? Can I have the space to hold their discomfort and my discomfort for a little while, just so I can join them there in order to bring them along back over to the left, into Mm -hmm. comfort. Mm -hmm. That's a good visual. Yeah, so it's meeting new people can feel uncertain, especially when we make an idol out of being in control. It can, including people, can feel uncomfortable and awkward, but I think that we can embrace that tension (laughs) for the other person's good.
2: Yeah, yeah. When you bring up that that um, word of like weird and and avoiding, um, you know, that that let's not be weird. I I think about that that idea of it's kind of, you know, when when you're you're at the, the dinner table with with your best friends or whatever, you behave a certain way in a way that you you maybe might not to a stranger. I think our our churches can sometimes be like that, right? When when our gathering church community, we do become way on that left side so comfortable with each other, we know that we belong, we kind of become this inward facing in our circle, but isn't it kind of weird? when somebody new or a stranger accidentally gets caught up in that and they don't know what's going on or they don't know what to expect. They don't know what those inside jokes mean. They don't really know um, if they're even supposed to be there. I think that's, that's that kind of weird that maybe you're talking about where, when we're thinking about the love Avenue and, and witnessing and, and, being engaged in the ministry of of Jesus's mission, we don't want to be so um, some different phrases for it are like closed set or inward thinking, where it's just about me and my table with my my group of best friends that we have all our inside jokes, and it's really weird if a stranger comes up and we don't actually welcome them in in a way that is reasonable right (laughs) because we're still acting like like Mm -hmm. oh like it's just us at the table and so i think of that you know our churches um we can sometimes be like that right because we're we're family um and that's great but sometimes family has guests over for dinner and you probably should act right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that, that guest feels welcomed instead of overwhelmed a little bit. Um, and that's where I think you're saying that hospitality comes in. You know, how do you bring them into the family versus let them feel um, ostracized because they don't know what's going on in that family dynamic or environment? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a good example. Yeah, and And how often, you know, after you've eased somebody into your inside jokes, you know, they do become family or a close friend, you know. But you, mm-hmm. while you're in that getting to know phase, you you're gonna be other centered for them.
2: Yes, that and that idea of other centeredness, I think, is really key. Um, that we warm ourselves up to that. You know, it's okay to think about others for a little bit and building spaces of belonging and thinking about. Um, how how does that get embedded in the rhythm and the fabric of our gathering church communities? And so you know, uh, as as we're getting closer to wrapping up our time, just quickly, I know that we've been talking about some really um, some really great stuff, and and I think that it's really important in how we witness to who our God is, and it's also. Um, challenging, right? We've talked a little bit to that. And so just what are some, uh, you know, some challenges that you could name of um, building rhythms of an inclusive community that, uh, you know, you just want to name so that we're maybe aware of and can be prepared for when we um, encounter them on the journey?
0: Yeah, I think we could do an entire podcast on this. um, (laughs) But for for sake of listeners time I will just kind of drop these in here I I think a big challenge to an inclusive community is that the existing community will likely have to make some changes Mm. for new people we'll have to we will have to make some accommodations uh, for people to feel like they belong and and honestly the opposite of that can we just name it that's cultish you know (laughs) That's when, that's when a church feels like a private social club. When the new members are expected to make all the accommodations to mm. belong, that's that's actually cultish. <laughs> mm, yeah, very closed closed set. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going to have if if an inclusive community is a is a important value for you, your church is not going to look like a monolith. It's it's not going to be homogenous. Mm. But we can honor the image of God in other people without full agreement. We, we can say, you know, I see God in you. I value your belonging without full uniformity and assimilation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it it also challenges us that we've got to separate behavior from belonging. Mm. Do I know what this looks like? Not, not <laughs> i mean this this is this is where the stuff you know this is the stuff as we were saying but but i honestly do believe that we can hold up a mirror to people you know say that it does call people up to say look you're included in this community where we participate in jesus's healing and because he's healing us we don't harm ourselves or other people and, and then we trust the spirit's work in their life. Mm. Yeah. Is that close? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. No. And that's, that is a stuff like you're saying, that's the hard, messy. Um, what is it you said earlier? Kind of the, the lab of community. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's not cut and dry, but it's good and sacred work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are, what are some of the risks if, if we don't meet these challenges of nurturing inclusive community, what's at stake?
0: Mm. That the people we encounter won't see that they're being called into the body too. Mm. I mean, this is this is huge. If the gathering church promises connection and inclusion and healing, and not if I mean it does, but so if what other people have experienced is rejection and. In- exclusion and harm, then gathering is going to feel pretty terrifying to them, mm. you know? So why would we put up additional obstacles? And and this formation that occurs in his body, uh, it counters that narrative of shame and isolation. And that's the, that's the biblical testimony that our belonging to the body of Christ is healing, and we really are better together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost, and I'm hesitant to say these words. So I want to bring us back to um, what you mentioned about this paradox of tension that we're invited into the responsibility of participation, but not, we don't shoulder the responsibility of results. But it, it almost seems, you know, after our conversation today, that, that in some way, what's at stake is, is the witness of the church. Mm. Because if we're not living as the church witnessing to the, the belonging of God's people, what are we witnessing to, right? Who are we witnessing to? And so I say that not to, and the reason I hesitate is it's not in a scary way of, oh, now we gotta hurry up and get our witness, get our act together. Um, but to say this is not just, um, you know, a, a cute little, You know, ministry, ministry hack, right? This is how are we faithfully responding to what God is doing in our midst and who he
0: is? Mm -hmm. You know, years ago, I used to uh, love a Christian artist named Jennifer Knapp. And one of her songs that I loved was like an allegory about the bride, of Christ. And there was a line in there that said, how dare you say that she's broken and used. Mm-hmm. And I, it, that makes me emotional just saying it. But it came to mind when what you, with what you were saying is that the church is, is his spotless bride and he adores her. Jesus thinks she's beautiful. So, man, we got to participate in that beauty. <laughs> yeah. And it's a wonderful thing
2: a wonderful thing yeah as messy as it is as we're learning it's a beautiful thing in our last few minutes i do want to give us the opportunity to get um maybe even more practical about what this you know what this can mean um in the day-to-day living of of the church body, um, and I do want to name too that we on this side of eternity um, we have limits, we have temporal limits, um, individually, collectively, and so there's there is discernment that that is important when when we're, um, and that's part of you know, building what inclusivity, what belonging looks like for each particular gathering church community. Um, You know, for example, I have particular limitations by the languages that I speak at this current place in time, right? And that's just (laughs) the reality on this side of eternity. But given, you know, that kind of context, what are some ways, let's just brainstorm, quickly, um, before the end of our time together, what are some examples of ways that the Gathering Church can think of, um, can take seriously removing barriers to become
0: more inclusive to God's people? I like what you said, because we we can't be all things to all people. Right. Because actually, that's that's sort of what we were saying about if you get underneath inclusion, it's really about the connection. <laughs> if you can't connect, right? You know, that, and and um, Hibertikas has done such a great job in helping us see the difference between uh, mission, missional, and missionary. And you know, if you if there's no commonality, then you're probably being a missionary, <laughs> right? <laughs> There are things that we unintentionally barriers we unintentionally erect, um, particularly for folks with disabilities. You know, we have a church hack on accessibility, and we can we can link that in the show notes. Here, here's what I what I want to say too about what we can do, and I hope this is concrete. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Um, I I feel like another question a new person is going to be asking, consciously or unconsciously, is Am I too different?
2: Mm, mm mm-hmm
0: so we've really got to think about how we're answering that question you know because we can say with our mouths and with our signs (laughs) all are welcome but what are others experiencing with us Mm because we do experience belonging in our bodies yes we want to be fully seen and fully loved we want to show up with our full selves and the Incarnation teaches us that our embodied experiences matter. So therefore, we do see we see race, we see gender, we see disability, you know, we, we see family and marital status. We can acknowledge the differences. And because the society, you know, elevates certain identities over others, it just does. We see able-bodied, married, educated, Folks without intellectual disabilities, folks that aren't neurodiverse, elevated all the time. So we have to, I think, as a church, we have to ask: are, are we elevating certain people groups, or do we have a diversity in our, like the the images that we use, and in our leaders? You know, if only one type of person is being represented, who might be erased? Who might, who who's being erased by this? Mm. I think our language matters. Just to give a few examples, I have been in far too many settings where multiple people u- use the phrase "elders' wives." Mm. You know, so who's erased by that? We have elders that are unmarried. We have elders that have husbands.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know, I've been in church settings where people prayed for a particular political candidate because there was an assumption that everybody there must be voting for the same person. And mm. that's getting back to that assumption of uniformity. I have witnessed messages and prayers for, you know, like praying for someone to have children or praying for someone to find a spouse. And that's making an assumption mm. that they want to have children or that they're, they want to get married. I've been in a setting where the speaker said, in speaking about like what our priorities should be, they said, it should be God first, spouse second, and then your ministry work. <laughs> and and I, I just think we're, we don't stop to think about who's erased by that. What about mm. the people who don't have a spouse? Because here's the thing about uniformity. We shouldn't expect uniformity. But we should assume that we all have the same needs, mm. and by the, and by that I mean, what does it mean to be human? And it's safe to say that we're dehumanizing another if we fail to recognize that they have all the universal needs that um, all humans have. You know, so it made me feel like when I when I heard that statement. That I, I wish that speaker had said, you know, God, then important relationships, then your ministry, or something like that. Because mm-hmm. it, it makes the assumption that people who aren't married don't have the same need for community and connection. They do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has, mm-hmm. you know, assume we all have the same needs for that kind of connection and community.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you think about, in and even those examples you've given, when we think about, um, you know, communities of belonging if you were to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who you know didn't fit the assumed criteria or life circumstance then there's this uncomfortability that you can imagine you may experience of oh then is this space for me if this is what is assumed do I actually belong here and so it's it's those um ways that we actually undercut belonging through our language and kind of the assumed status quo or uniformity um, because, you know, casual language that we might use, it sends a signal. Oh, this is what, you know, kind of the expectation or the standard is. And then if you don't meet that, it's, oh, well, do, do I actually belong here? Is this space for me? Um, and not just that, is this space for me? But, but it, can, it can even be um, as serious as, is this good news for somebody like me? Is mm-hmm. Jesus for somebody
0: like me? Yes. Yes. That's and that's huge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, sure is. I think most of what I've learned I learned from making mistakes <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? and uh, here's an important lesson that I learned, and the listeners are probably gonna laugh because it's kind of like, duh, but I'm gonna just tell' myself, and that's ask the person yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um go to to the person, you know you can say. We want you to belong here. So, how can we help you experience that? You know, let's say somebody shows up who's who's uh, never been to your gathering before, whether it's Love Avenue or your Hope Avenue, and they have an accessibility need. Well, you don't convene a meeting with your team to talk about them <laughs> or just dis- or discuss what you can do for them. You know, talk to them, subject to subject. We want this gathering to be accessible for you. What do you need? Mm -hmm. You know, if that scares you as a ministry leader, (laughs) look, I understand that we may not be able to accommodate everything that a person asks for, but that's where the courage comes in too, I think. I mean, that's that's why we work these things out in community. I honestly believe that avoiding conflict, it doesn't get us to deeper relationship, you Mm -hmm. know? research from social scientists are are showing us that relationships that have no discord, that that demonstrate um, no conflict, aren't actually the strongest relationships. Because people are probably repressing, hiding, you know, conflict is normal. Research that's coming out of psychologists and And therapists like that, they're saying that, you know, when people face up to conflict or acknowledge that there's been a rupture, and then they intentionally make repair, that those are actually the relationships that have the most resiliency and have the most trust. You Mm -hmm. know, I, I just don't think we can muscle our way into inclusive belonging by pretending that no differences exist.
2: Yes. And, you know, what you've said is actually a very practical, if not one of the most practical pieces of advice that can be given because we can't be all things to all people. We can't know all things. And even if um, we were to be a quote-unquote expert on a particular life experience, every person's actually different. And so even if you had a PhD in disability studies the person who showed up to your event might have different needs than the next person that shows up to your event right and so to assume or to make decisions without somebody is actually not creating that that belonging in community but it's it's just this idea of doing something to or, or for which is you know it's it's like baby inclusion, right? <laughs> but we want again to go a step along, uh, a step beyond into that belonging of the of the kingdom. And so I think that that really is the most practical thing is ask questions and be curious and go to the place that might be uncomfortable. but but that is relational, because um, even with that particular example, you can meet all ADA requirements, but every person might need a different thing in order to um, fully be able to participate. And you don't know unless you ask, and you don't know what you can or cannot accommodate um, until you ask what that person may need. And that's the same with um, any kind of you know <laughs> matter of belonging when somebody is bringing their full self, no two people, are exactly alike and so to just make an assumption of oh that person's got a disability and so this is what we're going to do for them because all disabilities are alike hello Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's not that's not belonging and so yeah i think that that's an incredibly practical even more practical than here's the checklist of things that we should do to be an inclusive church Um, because that's that's the advice that's going to get us to be a relational church that fosters belonging together as a community and so yeah um, with that do you have any final words as we wrap up we've been having too much fun talking so (laughs) it's about time to
0: to close up for today yeah no i just appreciate the opportunity so it, Let's keep going yes
2: <laughs> no it has been such a pleasure having this conversation with you Elizabeth you've shared a lot of I'm um, really meaningful insights that I will continue to chew on and that I hope our listeners do too but before we wrap up fully for today's episode um, I have a couple of Fun, random questions for you. If you are game, just whatever first thing comes to mind, it's like a lightning round. Just shout it out. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What fictional family would you be a member of?
0: Umbrella Factory.
2: Oh, that's a good <laughs>
0: choice.
2: <laughs> what is your favorite seasoning?
0: Oh, garlic. Ooh, also
2: a good choice. If you could invent a holiday, what would it be? And what would you call it?
0: You stumped me on that one. Um, It would be uh, a national beach day where you get paid to go sit on the beach and relax. I would celebrate that holiday. If you were an action figure, what
2: two accessories would you come with? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: A magic, lightweight coffee brewer, so you could have coffee whenever you wanted, and um, a translator so I could speak any language.
2: Ah, I like it. I like it. What's something that always gives you
0: childlike joy? Oh, um, I think just, just just, singing and dancing and joking around with my, my two daughters and my granddaughter.
2: Yes, Our I love that. And, um, I love that. And then last question. Would you rather be able to run at 100 miles per hour or fly at 10 miles per hour? Oh, fly our eye view. ah ah fair enough fair enough (laughs) oh well thank you for sharing some some silly insider knowledge with us elizabeth and thank you for just being with us here today i have had um, a lot of fun chatting with you and it is our practice with the pod to end with a word of prayer so would you be willing to pray for our churches pastors ministry leaders and gathering church members here with us today
0: sure will. Father, Son, and Spirit, we love you. Mm. We love your church. We love the way that you have included us. We're just so grateful um, that you are who you are and that we are called to participate in that love. We ask for wisdom and knowing what that looks like. We often feel like we don't know what we're doing, but we are grateful that you are constantly with us and bringing us along and that you don't lose, lose uh, patience with us, that you gave us your spirit, that, this, that you spirit are constantly tutoring us and showing us who God is, that you are reminding us that we are rooted and grounded in Jesus, who is the ultimate unanxious presence. And because we're rooted in him, that we can learn to reflect that to the people that we're ministering to. I thank you for Kara and for the work that she does. She makes it look so easy, but we know it's not. So we're grateful for her love for you, for, for her discernment, for the way that she images you and includes new uh, young ministry leaders as her co-host. Um, we're grateful for the, the people that she reaches out to and gives a platform to share their voice Because I'm on the media team, I know all the the behind-the-scenes work. So I just pray for for Rue, who is going to be mixing this, who is recording it now. Be with him. Bless the whole media team. Give them wisdom and discernment. We love you, Jesus. And we're grateful that you do hear our prayers. And you've included us in your life. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. One of the things that really struck me
2: in uh, this, this conversation that I had with Elizabeth was the importance of um, relationship and creating spaces of, of belonging. It's not, you know, just like a checklist of, okay, now everyone's included or now we've created a sense of belonging, but it's really grounded in um, how, how we're building relationships with, with one another. What was something that stood out to you, Carissa, from, from our conversation?
1: Oof! I think the list is shorter if we've talked about what didn't stand out to me. <laughs> Amen. There were so many points that were brought up um, that were really great and that I could personally relate to. But if I had to highlight one thing, I think it would be the quote of the unknown sayer. <laughs> <which> <laughs> yes. says, the church is the visible manifestation of the invisible reality of the kingdom. Which really struck me at how simply put it was said, but how deep and true it actually means.
2: Yeah, oh, I loved that as well. Oh, thank you for bringing that back up as a as a highlight. And when we think about you know living out that that visible manifestation as one of, um, you know, a person in our our younger generations in GCI, what is something that you've experienced that maybe has helped create intergenerational sense of belonging and inclusion for you or
1: in um, your local
2: congregation in GCI Fiji?
1: Oh, well, back at home, I feel like intergenerational belonging and inclusion is very strong. And Mm. that really stands out to me because our family days and teachings and when the older generations come and teach the younger generations how to, whether it be minister or so something simple like flower arrangements, I think, is very good to help everyone feel belonging and feel included. That they want to share that knowledge on how to spread the love of Christ through everything that we do.
2: Yeah, I really love that the passing on of of knowledge and and mentoring for for discipleship, right? The discipling amongst generations is something that can. Really um, nurture that sense of belonging and inclusion intergenerationally that's a beautiful thing i'm really glad to hear that yeah so thank you so much for sharing that carissa and that and that insight and experience of yours you know showing up in mission is is a big part of of just getting started and how we show up i think is another thing that is just as important and so the gci play sharing series explores our posture as we show up in relationships with others can you tell us a
1: little bit more about the gci play sharing series carissa Sure thing. Um, the GCI Place Sharing series explores the practice of place sharing through interviews, teachings, and a Q&A panel. Visit www.gci.org slash place sharing to check it out and learn what place sharing is, why it's valuable, and how it reflects the ministry of Jesus.
2: Thank you so much. And until next time, everyone, keep on living and sharing the gospel. We want to thank you for listening
0: to this episode of the GC Podcast. We hope you have found value in it to become a healthier leader. We would love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion on a topic or if there is someone who you think we should interview, email us at info at Remember, healthy churches start with healthy leaders. Invest in yourself and your leaders.